This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Personally, I don't want to feel how I felt last season in, in Kiev again tomorrow, and that'll be running through my mind during the game and, and maybe put that extra 1% or 2% in. Just like in Kiev 12 months ago, there were tears, but tonight they were tears of unbridled joy rather than anguish. It was an emotional journey for Liverpool because they'd gone from the, the highs of the previous year to the absolute crashing low of what happened in the final. Then the highs of that season to the low of, first of all, looking as though they're going out before they play the Barcelona second leg and then to lose the league despite getting all those points. You know what people said about a couple of players of this team and stuff like that. And Jordan Henderson is captain of the Champions League winner 1st 2019 a year on from Kiev vulnerable yet optimistic nervous yet expectant Liverpool travel to Madrid looking to take back what they longed for from Paris to Turkey London and Rome they conquered all of Europe but now it was time to add the Spanish capital to that list. I'm Guy Clark, welcome to Blood Red, as we document Liverpool's sixth European Cup win, a story of recovery. That was painful, wasn't it? I think losing in Kiev. Overcoming old demons. Even when I was unlucky so far, but still I'm, I'm, I'm maybe silly enough to try it again and again and again and again. Unrelenting support. The way they follow the team, I, I just don't think there's any support like it. And the way they fill stadiums and the way they get into cities is, is just unbelievable really and victory let's talk about six baby let's talk about <laughs> you and <laughs> me let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be let's talk about six Before the singing, partying and celebrations came the precursor. And for Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool, that was defeat in Kiev. Having taken the reins at Anfield in October 2015, the Germans set out to turn the Reds from doubters to believers. Yet in May 2018, having suffered the cruelest of Champions League final defeats to Real Madrid, that final hurdle appeared elusive. As we mark the first anniversary of Liverpool's sixth European Cup win in Madrid, We'll retell the story of how Klopp picked up the pieces in Kiev to deliver on the biggest stage of all. It wasn't just Klopp and his squad, though, who needed to find the strength to go again, as Ian Doyle and Kiefer O'Neill explain. That was painful, wasn't it, I think, losing in Kiev? Look, none of us as fans expected to be there, and yet, you know, they pulled off something incredible to be there. With Real Madrid going for a you know, a treble, winning it in three years. You thought maybe, you know, Liverpool can upset the apple cart a little bit here, but it wasn't to be, and it never really always, I don't know, it was a great experience as a fan throughout that time, but it just never felt like it was going to culminate. That was a painful experience, but one that was important, I think, in helping 
fans and the players themselves realise, you know, this is something we want to do year in, year out. And lo and behold, the next year we reached the final in Madrid, which you, you almost expected then, but you on on route to the final, you know, beating the likes of Bayern Munich, but you still sort of thought, mate, you know, are we going to go all the way here? Because consoling yourself after the final in Kiev, it was like, oh, we'll do it next year. And you never actually, you believed it a little bit, but you never actually realised they were going to actually go and do it. So that was spectacular, really. Jürgen Klopp said himself that the run to that final did start with the final whistle at, uh, in Kiev. After the final last year, when we came home to Liverpool, it was not cooler. So, um, but we, um, one of my friends is a singer, and we, we and my, my assistant coach, <laughs> and my assistant coach is pretty good in in, in making songs. <laughs> um, and we sang a song actually. That moment, it was only to to lift our mood a little bit, and now it became, um, yeah, it happened. For Liverpool fans at the time, weirdly, if you ask them, I think they'd probably say that Kiev was one of the best European trips they'd ever been on. Just the atmosphere and the build to the game, and the fact they've been swept along with this tide of what Liverpool have done that season in the Champions League by you know beating the likes of City and and, and Roma to get to the final in, in thrilling fashion with all those goals. But second time around in Madrid against uh, Tottenham. There was a sense of, okay, right, we had our, not so much we had our fun the first time round, now let's try and win this thing. But there was more of a determination. There was like, we, we don't just want this to be a, a big day out. And it wasn't just from the fans, obviously, it was from the players as well. I think last season the experience has helped us this season. I think we learnt a lot from the game. I think it'll be daft of us to, to just completely forget what happened last season and, and try and start fresh. I think we've used things throughout the season that we learnt in, in Kiev from the Saad Madrid that... that the way they won the game, the way they went about things, and, and how they how they beat us, I think we've we've matured as a team. We've we've showed how 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 we can win games, how we can hold on to 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 one 0 leads, and we can keep clean sheets a lot better. And I think throughout the course of the season, we've we've proven why we're such a a good side. And um, yeah, it's it's because of the experiences we we we've had so far, and I'm sure we'll use them as motivation again tomorrow. And, I think, obviously, I think personally, I don't want to feel how I felt last season in, in Kiev again tomorrow, and that'll be running through my mind during the game and, and maybe put that extra 1% or 2% in. It had been Trent Alexander-Arnold's quick thinking, of course, his corner taken quickly that had sent Liverpool to a second successive Champions League final. A year on from reaching their previous European Cup final, a much closer to home than the Ukrainian capital, it was now time for those in red to head from Merseyside to Madrid, whether by boat, car or plane, as Christian Walsh and Connor Dunn remember. The travelling out there, people, I think with Kiev, yeah, some people's journeys were just so crazy. Like going out there to journalists and speaking to fans who are out there, there's people hitchhiking from Poland and just getting there by any hook or by crook. But with Madrid, it was pretty much close enough for people just to drive there. So the amount of Liverpool fans that ended up in Madrid was absolutely wild. Just people were, you know, having a quick holiday in Ibiza and just coming over. Just people were just, just getting there because it's just that close enough just to all go en masse. Thursday night, it was uh, flying to uh, Malaga. We had a uh, Thursday night in uh, Benal Medina, which was uh, quite the experience. 
I wasn't driving, put it that way, so I was absolutely fine to stay up as long as I could. We hired the car. Uh, I think there was seven of us. And let me tell you, Spain's bigger than you think it is. When we booked the flights initially, and uh, you know, on the off chance Liverpool did get to the final, we thought, oh, we'll drive this. This will be fine. You know, Malaga to, to, to Madrid, it can't be that far. It was six hours, but we got to Madrid at around about five o'clock in the afternoon. We were, again, sort of luckily... Uh, managed to get a hotel sort of in in uh, Sol, which is the, the, you know the main square where everything was happening. Actually, on my flight going to from Munich to Madrid, I and Robin, I saw him getting on the plane, and uh, he was sat in the business class section through the through the curtain. So I just got up out of my seat and, and ran forward for any of the air stewardesses stopped me, took a quick selfie with him, and had a quick chat about whether he thought Liverpool were going to win the game or not. And he said, "Yeah," so a little bit of an omen as well. Munich, Iron Robin, Champions League. Perhaps fate was intervening. 2013 had marked Jurgen Klopp's first attempt at Champions League final glory, only for the Dutchman to score a last-minute winner for Bayern Munich under Wembley's famous arch. Were times about to change? The League Cup, Europa League and Champions League final would all pass Klopp by at Liverpool by June 2019. What was going on? Losing the, the couple of finals under Klopp. Um, you were... You know, well, there was three, wasn't there? I think losing them finals, sort of, you kind of felt like, are we are we losers? You had that little doubt in your mind, like maybe we aren't like destined for this kind of thing anymore, winning. And especially when you miss out on the Premier League title by a point. Like that's, you know, you mentioned the pain of Kiev, but that was, that was horrific as a fan to experience that. I mean, it's, you know, you, you look back on them moments and games and, the odd draw and the drop points and you just think if that you know if that particular shot would have went in things could have been different but then you know Klopp had built this great team but if you don't um if you don't win things then the belief can't really be there can it Liverpool hadn't won a trophy since the 2012 League Cup um and that's you know not to do with the service to the League Cup it was you know it was a great trophy to win but Liverpool hadn't won a trophy in seven years and for a club like Liverpool that is a massive massive time that is a, a, such a long time scale to, to not win a trophy so I think there was a feeling of okay Liverpool haven't won the Premier League they probably deserved it but to, you know so did Manchester City there was no regrets it was just very much a, a pride in how Liverpool finished the season and it was a case of let's take that let's take this squad and let's see them off to Madrid and make sure that they do actually you know finally win that trophy as Christian Walsh details, 2012 had been Liverpool's last season of success with the League Cup win under Sir Kenny Dalglish, while in the same year Klopp lifted the German Cup with Borussia Dortmund. It was time to scratch that seven-year itch, as Ian Doyle notes. Everybody was on about it for years until that game. I mean, since then, Liverpool have won another two finals, the the, the Super Cup and the, and the Club World Cup, so... You know, that particular monkey's off Klopp's back. But he did go into that that game on the run of, not just with Liverpool, I think at Dortmund as well. He'd lost a few finals in a row. So, yeah, there was a bit of talk of that. But it, it, it's, it wasn't like when they were playing Real Madrid the year before on, on two things. The first thing being, obviously, that they'd been there before the year before. They knew exactly what to expect. Liverpool had changed as a team. They'd gone from a team that could beat anyone to a team that could beat everyone, which was a bit of a... that, that That's how the likes of Manchester City end up winning leagues because they know how to beat just about everybody. They don't just turn it on against the big teams. Like Liverpool could have been, you know, guilty of doing earlier in Klopp's reign. 
But the second thing is the fact that they were playing Tottenham. And for Tottenham, Tottenham were in exactly the same position that Liverpool were the season before, where they were going into it like, oh, this is amazing. This is all you know, brand new for us, certainly for a lot of the fans as well. So Liverpool had that experience that Real Madrid had had the year before, which helped Real Madrid, you know, that the reason why they'd won, I think, four in six years or something like that. You know, getting to a Champions League final is hard. Getting to two Champions League finals in a row is very, very hard. Novelty no longer an excuse. Liverpool knew the course, and the fans certainly did. This was an occasion they most certainly weren't going to let pass them by. One thing that wasn't new for Liverpool was knowing how to throw a party. It's all just the boats. The, uh, yeah, the sights, the, the, the smells, the, the, the scenery. Um, you know, just seeing people that you, you've never seen before with, with, with accents that you've never really heard before, then seeing familiar faces. And I think that's the beauty of Liverpool is that you know, everybody's got their own little microcosm, their own little community. Um, you know, I've got a really close group of, let's say, 10, 15 friends who I'll go everywhere with with, with Liverpool. And then I'd say I probably know, you know, sort of, let's say, about a thousand people to sort of just let on to and say, hello, how are you? Know them by name, you know, how, how are things going, how's work, that kind of thing. That's such a mind use sort of fraction of what Liverpool is as a as a as a fan base and a, as a football club and, and and that's really kind of humbling in a way because you know you do you sort of get to talking to people especially at these finals you know you end up having conversations with people from from America from from Canada from Australia from France all of these people who've just come to, to sing about Liverpool and basically just revel in, in in sort of the glory of supporting supporting the club it's 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 a really uh, special feeling Thousands of fans went out there who didn't have a ticket. They just wanted to be a part of it. I think there was 60,000 fans just in the, the fan zone for the on the day of the game, you know, for the, the gigs and stuff, Jamie Webster. And, you know, it was an incredible time and an incredible, you know, weekend. Even just to stand back and look at the likes of John Power play, you'll never walk alone earlier on in the day. When everyone was sort of just getting into the swing of things, it was amazing and I had a tear in my eye down. My set was just, to be honest with you, felt like I'd had a boxing match for about an hour. I just remember thinking to myself that, you know, when are you ever going to get this again? Do you know what I mean? If ever, this is your day. Like, you know what I mean? So just go and get it. Give it everything you've got, do you know what I mean? Be, let it be everything you imagined it to be. People are in incredible spirits, they're singing, they're chanting, there's you know, flags, flares, and whatever you smoke bombs all going off, just seas of red everywhere, and there's people on stage, and there's singing, and there's it just, I remember actually being on that middle section, so, and it was like a, a scaffolding that had been set up. There was a couple of Spanish news reporters next to me, and there was one woman doing her piece to camera, and a beer got thrown out of the crowd into the thing, and I caught it, and chinned it, and like so many people around me started giving me a little ripple of cheers and applause, and it just, it just summed up the whole atmosphere of the day, really, for me, to be honest. It was just such a great atmosphere and such an amazing thing to be a part of. It was, again, it was like a full-on euphoria, adrenaline, anger, love, just... Can't describe, like, really what was going through me. I can't really remember what was going through me head during the gig. 
I remember the end of it very, very well. And it was like, I nearly well up every time I tell this story, to tell you the truth, mate. I, I, I was just remember looking, playing LA, LA, LA. And there was a point in my set where I was sort of thinking, because there was so many people. Yeah. Thinking, is everybody sort of singing with me here, or is it just a... And then I sang LA, 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 and it was just like... I could just see everything just sort of like all in sync. I couldn't see the end of people and the people that I could see. I've seen like three generations of families together and like, you know, lads on dad's shoulders with the granddad next to them and like full grown men sobbing. Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, Liverpool have been crowned champions of Europe for the sixth time after a sensational night here in Madrid. It was excruciating at times, but the uh, the mental resilience, the quality, and the unity and spirit of this Liverpool team really, really shone through as they uh, as they ground out a you know a two 0 victory over Tottenham that will be celebrated for a long, long time to come. You know, the scenes at the final whistle, I don't think we'll ever forget them. You could see what it meant to each of those players and to the tens of thousands of Liverpool fans in here tonight. After all those near misses of recent years, all those heartbreaking nights, just like in Kiev 12 months ago, there were tears, but tonight they were tears of unbridled joy rather than anguish. It was, a, it was a night when Liverpool got off to a dream start. Mo Salah's penalty inside two minutes, rocking Spurs, but... The uh, Liverpool didn't build on that. They they made a lot of mistakes. I think I think the heat played a part. I think the three-week break from the end of the Premier League season also played a part because it was far from a classic game in terms of the quality out there. But like we said, Liverpool dug deep as they have done so often this season. I thought Virgil Van Dijk and Joel Matic were both absolutely sensational tonight. The two fullbacks as well, Trent Alexander and Ander Arnold and uh, and Andy Robertson, just uh, you know putting their bodies on the line. And what can you say about Alisson Becker? No wonder Liverpool's players made a beeline for him shortly after the final whistle. When you think that a year ago, it was all about Liverpool's goalkeeper you know, falling short and his weaknesses being exposed in the Champions League final. Tonight, we saw that that £65 million was worth absolutely every single penny that Liverpool spent on Alisson Becker. He uh, pulled off a string of fine saves in that second half where Tottenham were threatening to get themselves back into it. Um, real show of commanding quality from the Brazilian. And then late on, Liverpool delivering the, uh, the, the killer punch when Divock Origi hammered low into the bottom corner. What a season Origi's had. You know, if you handed the script of his year to, I think, to, to a Hollywood producer, they'd dismiss it as a, as a work of fantasy. But uh, Divock Origi, there he was, scoring the goal that won Liverpool the European Cup. And uh, Liverpool's players throwing Jurgen Klopp up into the air repeatedly. He's the man who have made their dreams come true. He's made the dreams come true of every single Liverpool fan around the globe. And this party is going to go on for a long, long time to come. James Pearce capturing the moment for the Liverpool Echo as Liverpool became champions of Europe for a sixth time. Whilst for Jurgen Klopp, he'd got over the line in a final. Just how significant was the stage on which it had been achieved? To go there and take the trophy from them, you know, from their city, I think that was... That it was set up, wasn't it, so perfectly for that, you know, Mo Salah revenge for him to get the penalty after, you know, going off and 
Um, I just feel like it all just sort of sets itself up perfectly and you kind of, you know, you think back to the Kiev final and you kind of want Liverpool to have won it, but I don't think they get then go on and win it in the way they do in Madrid. Kiva O'Neill on what it meant for Liverpool to make it six in Madrid and Mo Salah exercising his personal demons. But what about the scorer of the second, Divock Origi? He'd been terrible. <laughs> when he came on, I watched the game back um, a couple of weeks ago when, uh, you know, sort of when um, one of the, the, the channels sort of replayed it. He was terrible. Um, and, that, you know, that's, I say that's sort of half tongue in cheek, but he came on. He didn't do what he was meant to do. He, he kept on giving the ball away. He was clearly meant to be an outlet. Um, there were a couple of times when he could have played players in. He chose the wrong ball. But the thing about Divock Origi, and, and the 2019-20 season is that he was in the right place at the right time. And I don't think I've ever felt a moment of elation before um, quite like that. He's a player who I think we have to accept, and he probably accepts he's never going to be a regular for Liverpool, although he, he was at times under Jurgen Klopp in the early years. But he's a, he's a player for big games and big moments. You know, he loves scoring against Everton for a start. You know, he scored those goals in the Champions League in the semi-final. He scored the late goal against Newcastle, which kept alive Liverpool's hopes of, of still winning the Premier League going through to the last day last season. And uh, he got that goal there at the end of the, in the Champions League final against Tottenham. So it was fitting in a way. It kind of also underlined that the goal came from a Milner corner that had kind of not properly cleared. Van Dijk puts it back in and Matip sets up Origi. Milner out inside the corner. If you'd have said at the start of the season, oh, they're going to win the, the Champions League and the final goal's going to have Milner, Matip and then Origi scores, nobody would have believed you. But what it did, it underlined that the whole way through, it was a team effort. And that's something that Klopp's built over time. doesn't matter who the players are. They're obviously some players are more important than others, but all of them feel involved. All of them feel as though they've got a, had a part to play. And you saw that at the end when the final whistle goes up on the roll on the pitch. There's players there like, you know, you look at Alberto Moreno, who hadn't he'd barely kicked the ball all season. He was celebrating as much as the rest of them because he felt him as involved to everybody else because of the squad and the, way, the squad that Klopp's put together, the, the, you know, the, the kind of feeling that he's got between them, the, the, the togetherness, that strong bond. It means that probably, you know, the people who are working at Melwood, they all felt... I played a little bit of part in that when they were sat at home watching it on television. And I did a little bit. You know, he made everybody feel as though they were involved. And in a way, that's the only way Liverpool got to the final through beating Barcelona 4-0 in that semi-final because if there'd not been that sense of togetherness and belief in each other, they've had absolutely no chance of doing it. He's had a lot more heart than us. I think he's been beaten, what, two or three big finals and, and things like that. So, and like I said, in my press conference, it's for him and it's for everyone in Melwood because they put so many hours in for us to make sure that our boys are ready to go out in the pitch every single you know whether it's three day turnover or you know three weeks it doesn't matter these these staff turn up and you know put the food on and recover us properly so you know it's for all them the people that won't get the credit that they deserve but it's for all them but obviously the manager fronts all that and um, you know he obviously gets a special mention. Fullback Andy Robertson quick to praise his manager in the immediate aftermath in the post-match interviews. This was Liverpool's moment, but so too it was Klopp's. Written off in some quarters, albeit not by Reds fans, he'd proven his standing amongst the world's best, and so too his captain. I can't think of a Liverpool captain that's been criticised as much as Jordan Henderson has been, purely on the basis of him being Jordan Henderson. Nothing for anything that he's done wrong, just by being him. 
you know, I remember when he signed, Stephen Gerrard said that I'm not saying he's the new Stephen, uh, the new Stephen Gerrard, but he's going to be my replacement. And I think while he had a lot of faith in him, I don't think Stephen Gerrard expected Jordan Henderson to go on and be the Liverpool captain. That ended up lifting the Champions League, and then hopefully being the Liverpool captain that ends up lifting the Premier League. Simply because there was, you know, it, you can't you can't really predict that from somebody who's on like 2021 just joined Liverpool it took him a long time to get used to it he admits it himself he nearly he nearly got sold in 2012 but he stood his ground and since then that only that proved a great move because it also gave him the confidence to, to suggest to the manager at the time Brendan Rodgers that he can make it Liverpool and as we've seen he has done and the other with the emotional scenes at the end of the game not just with Jordan Henderson and his dad Brian because obviously they've been been through quite a lot but also Henderson and Klopp you saw there's the famous picture, isn't it, of them hugging each other, and I think they're both in tears because it was so... I mean, it's it, sometimes we, we were guilty of overstating things, you know, making things a bit too emotional, but it was an emotional journey for Liverpool because they'd gone from the, the highs of the previous year to the absolute crashing low of what happened in the final, then the highs of that season to the low of, first of all, looking as though they're going out before they play the Barcelona second leg, and then to lose the league despite getting all those points. And then the high of, finally, they'd got the reward for what they were doing. So what about when the pressure lifts, when the doubters are converted into believers? For Jurgen Klopp, it was clear he was now the one setting the agenda. And it's yeah, there are always a couple of people who can tell you, yeah, but you didn't win. So I know, let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. That's a new song. <laughs> And the mood in the dressing room was similar. This was business mixing with pleasure. As Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain recorded the dressing room antics, Virgil van Dijk was telling the world's media that this was just the beginning. This season with Liverpool ended today. And we got the Champions League, and something that we definitely wanted. Um, but... I think in July when we start again, it starts, starts. Everyone starts on nil, and everyone is working towards, you know, their goals. And obviously, we want to challenge on every trophy if possible. We have the squad for it, but you see, also this year, you, you still have to do it. And uh, hopefully, we can challenge Man City again next season for for the title because I don't think they will go anywhere. But so so we're, we will go no, nowhere either. A season that had brought 97 points domestically, which went unrewarded, finally had its deserved conclusion, and that on the biggest stage of all. And as Jamie Webster testifies, Jurgen Klopp wasn't done with his partying as Liverpool left the Wanda Metropolitano. As I'm walking past Jürgen, this is like one of the best stories of, of the night, really, of the day. Jürgen had all sorts of people, like obviously, as you can imagine, yeah, Jürgen, what was this Barcelona then, you know, talking... And you could see he was just like, oh, yeah, like trying to enjoy himself. So I just tapped him on the shoulder and just said, Jürgen. And he just turned around and looked at me and sort of, he sort of discarded everybody else who was there and just turned to me. And, and I went, I'm, I'm not going to bother you with anything, mate. I just want to say thank you. And you only done, he just looked at me with like this like smile of like anger, enthusiasm, everything. And he slapped me across the face. <laughs> and just like, I was like, what? <laughs> looked back at him and he's like, no, thank you. And he's like, Jamie, come here, give me an organ all that. And then I said, Jürgen, uh, this is me bird. <laughs> and he goes, 
hello, Jamie's bed. And he's like, oh, my bed picks my bed up, and my bed won't even let me pick it up, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, so, like, that was that was amazing. I just left them to it. I just said, have a good night, you deserve it. You know, enjoy everything. So off into the sunset Liverpool headed, but there were some still left inside the stadium that had witnessed the Reds securing number six, and they would capture every possible moment and memento. We actually went out onto the pitch, which was amazing. Got some pictures in the goal and had a little run around, and that was about three o'clock in the morning on the Metropolitan pitch while they were like clearing up the stuff and just looking around like, what has just happened? So for me, obviously, personally, it's just an incredible thing to get. We went down and we went onto the pitch, and like there's all of there's some people clearing stuff up. It's like quarter past two, half two in the morning. All the floodlights are still on. And the two gold nets are still there and all the confetti's there from when the Liverpool, you know, when they won it and it all goes off. So we had some pictures taken and we said, why don't we just do the pre- uh, the uh, the podcast on the side of the pitch? So we start recording it. And then there's a guy and he looks as though he's doing something to the net. So we just say to him, what, excuse me, what are you doing? He says, I'm, I'm from Barcelona. He says, um, it's just this this thing where in Spain we like to take you know, mementos and one of them is, is a bit of the bit of the net so he'd actually got i'm not sure he got it through security he got some kind of like scalpel thing where he was then taking a hole out of the goal net so uh james goes uh, can you just borrow that for a second he says oh yeah sure no problem so as we've started doing the podcast james wanders off and cuts a huge hole in the net and then brings it over and then we continue the podcast finish it and then we cut it up into four pieces and split it between ourselves and we've all still got them we've all still got them so what was funny is that i think some of the Liverpool players tried to do it while the game was just after the game had finished when they were celebrating. And Van Dijk got ushered away. But Lovren managed to get a bit of it. And there's actually a picture of him holding it up in the air. For Ian Doyle and Connor Dunn, it was certainly a night turned into morning that they'd never forget. But while Liverpool had left with the cup, they'd also secured a newfound belief and confidence, having broken through into Europe's elite, as Christian Walsh outlines. I believe that Liverpool season this season is very much because they won the European Cup last season. And you just wonder if Liverpool do not win the European Cup, does this season happen the way it does? I, I firmly believe it probably doesn't. I think it was absolutely huge for, for, for Klopp to finally, you know, win that final and shake off that unlucky loser tag. And I think it was just massive for the football club after so many near misses in the past six, seven years to do it and, and to do it with the biggest the biggest trophy of all. You felt Liverpool were on the cusp of doing something incredible and just sealing that Champions League win, seeing that huge first major trophy was just going to be the kickstart to what is essentially could become a dynasty of Liverpool Football Club. A dynasty, perhaps. It all starting, though, with that night in Madrid. The weekend, the Reds collectively brought themselves from their knees in Kiev to being the kings of Europe. It's hard to sort of describe that feeling of, you know, being there as well to see it happen and you know that you're going to watch you know Liverpool lift the, the Champions League and you know that's like something no one can ever take away from you once you've you've seen that with your own eyes and you know whatever you go on and do in your life as a as a Liverpool fan you not on will probably ever top that I think being a fan it means something to get on a personal level doesn't it I think you know you're a part of something greater, but being a being a Liverpool supporter, it's it's your individual thing, like it is to be a fan of anything. And the year before, I you know, I remember I watched it in the city, and when we lost, and I just I made a promise to myself. I said, I'll I'll never not be there to watch Liverpool if they're ever in a Champions League final again. I'll I'll, I'll never I'll never miss it. 
made that promise to myself and then, you know, who would have thought a year later that's that's where I was. Um and then luckily enough I, you know, I'd booked a flight for the early hours. So I flew back and then, you know, celebrated in the city as well with that parade, which, you know, will go down in history. I think it will only be topped, you know, in the future. But just a marvellous weekend, really. Marvellous Madrid. Listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.